Galatians chapter 6. The topic today is dead to the world. Galatians chapter 6, you guys know this verse. We'll read it. We'll start there. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom, the cross, the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. And that's what I really want to look at today. Um, so what was written here in Galatians, he says that by, by what Jesus Christ did, the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. It's a two-way thing, situation here. The world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. So, in other words, the world holds no sway or interest to me. And the things that I am doing on behalf of Christ is of no interest to the world. It is a clean separation. It is a radical change in the life of a believer. When you go from, when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, and what all that happens to you, it's a radical change. The world is dead to you. And as far as the world is concerned, you're dead to it. I guess it's mutually agreeable. <laughs> you know, we can be thankful for that. Um, what that means now, though, if you think about that, is that, um, and by the cross, you know, when, when, he, when, when Paul writes here, by the cross and, and the death, he's not referring just to the death of Jesus Christ. He's referring to everything that it accomplished because of the death. That includes the burial and includes the resurrection, includes the seating in the heavenlies and all the blessings that have come to us. That's what he's talking about. But when you say the world is dead to me and I'm dead to the world, that means that everything, everything that used to be your interest, your hopes, your ambitions, your plans, your dreams, all the things that you were concerned about before are not the same anymore. Now, they can be the same. Well, biblically speaking, they oughtn't to be the same. Um, if you'll remember um, the children of Israel, good example. The children of Israel and their wanderings in the wilderness for 40 years. And even in the first few months when they first left Egypt. You know, and they were leaving a situation where there was, um, they were asked to kill their children, their babies. They were asked to kill their sons. You know, if they were young, just kill them because you know, they were getting to be too many. And they were under intense slavery to the point they complain to God, and all these things are very well documented. Yet shortly after they're delivered, a few months later, they're, they're talking to Moses like, oh, don't you remember the garlic and the melons and the leeks and all the things that we had, the cucumber sandwiches and things that we had back in Egypt? You know, and it's, it's really interesting because they had forgotten about their children being killed, their intense slavery. And this is a parallel to, to Christian when, when you become a believer. There's no, there's no benefit in thinking back to, oh, but I missed that old life. Oh, but I wish I had, uh, what I, do you not, there is no benefit. The Bible says, dead to the world, 
and the world is dead to you. And that's where that and that's that's God's mark of what you are when you're a believer. You know, look at uh, Ephesians chapter two, please. Ephesians chapter two, right there, one book over, easy to find. <laughs> Verse 1, And you hath he quickened, or you who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of the world. So before this happened, walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the adver, the devil, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we, had, we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. This is looking back to what, what you know, um, how the, the conversation, the lives we lived before. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He hath loved us, even when we were dead in sins, this happened when we were not in a good situation, hath quickened us or made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. Verse 6, And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places, or literally it says in the heavenlies, in Christ Jesus. Now if that isn't a radical change from where we were to where we are now, you can understand why Galatians says you're dead to the world and the world is now dead to you. you know, even before Jesus Christ had accomplished what he did, let's go to Matthew chapter 6 briefly. He was already teaching along these lines. Matthew chapter 6, just to pick up. And let's see, let's start in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 6. And it says, where are we here? 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, or wealth. Verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. And we know this doesn't mean you just don't care about anything. It just means you take no anxious thought, right? No anxious thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, or, nor yet for your body. What you shall put on, is it not is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? He's saying, don't take undue concern. You obviously, you're going to care about what you dress and what you eat, but it's not like that's all you think about. I'm not sure where my next meal is coming from, and where, all these kind of things. Verse 26: Behold the fowls of the air, the birds, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, take no thought or anxiety, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? 
For after all these things do the Gentiles or the nations seek. See, this is what he's saying. He's saying, look, this is what the world is into. That's all they think about. So when Paul writes, I am dead to the world, and the world is dead to me, the implication is this is not where our thought life should still be. That all we ever, oh, am I going to eat? I don't know. You know, like, first of all, if I believe God created the heavens and the earth, oh, more fool me to think that he can't supply my needs. If I really believe that. So he says the Gentiles, the nations, with the word nations, they're all into this. And he says in verse uh, where are we? For 32. For after all these things the nations seek, for your Father, Heavenly Father, knoweth that you have need of these things. But what are we supposed to do? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all, and all these things shall be added unto you. See, even, even back when Jesus Christ was preparing, He hadn't even accomplished everything yet. Yet His teaching was, look, that's what the world is into. That's not what we should be into. You know, um, and, and Paul puts it quite quite nicely, dead to the world, and the world is dead to me. I don't have any desire. My thinking patterns, my life, my concerns, my desires are not what the world has. And there are an awful lot of them. There are an awful lot of things you can get into, into this world, aren't there not? Right? And yet he says, no, that's, I'm dead to that, and it's dead to me. Uh, look at uh, 1 John chapter 2, please. 1 John chapter 2. We have a new citizenship, according to Ephesians, and that is in the heavenlies. Spiritually speaking, we are seated in the heavenlies. That is our new citizenship. 1 John, chapter 2. So when you have a new citizenship... It's a new situation. There are new concerns, new rights to understand, new obligations. It's, it's a change. It's a radical change to our citizenship. And just like Israel, you know, different things to think about. But yet they wanted to think about the old things. Well, we shouldn't be like that. First John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world. Okay. Amen. Let's, let's eat lunch. <laughs> Love not the world. Neither yet the things that are in the world if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This doesn't mean you don't take care of the world and your house and your home and you don't mow the grass and you don't. That's not what it means. It just means that our, my first priority is not a love for the things of the world. The world is dead to me and I'm dead to it. Uh, for all, verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, you know, things you can you know, see, hear, smell, taste, touch, all those things. And the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And why shouldn't I love it? Verse 17, And the world passeth away. And the lust thereof, it's going to be gone. It's going to be done with. But he that, he that, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And here's the key to understanding why we're dead to the world and the world is dead to us. See, God's Word, especially the New Testament, pulls the believer from this life and points him to that life. He says, don't you love this world and the things that are in the world because it's going to be gone. But you, eternal life, that's where you're going. That's why the change in thinking is, is based on 
the Lord's return. He's coming back. And there is going to be a, another age. And here he says, you're going to dwell forever. So let, why don't you start thinking about that? That's what he's saying. Well, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, please. Now that we seen a little bit of that key, you guys know that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We go to verse 14. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died, Jesus Christ, for all, then we're all dead. So we can identify with his death, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. So that means that previous to this, we lived unto ourselves. But unto him which died for them and rose again. There's that change again. There's a change in priority that we talked about. Dead to the world, world dead to us. Now it says here that we're to live unto him, verse, unto him which died for us and rose again. That's Jesus Christ. Verse 16, Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. So what does that mean? You know, this is this is a, uh, and you've heard of the, you know, what would Jesus do movement, that, that you know, books written about what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And, well, here it says that we don't know him after the flesh. Well, I'll tell you what Jesus would do. He would trust God, and he would do what God told him to do. And so it's not a matter of, well, how would Jesus handle this situation? That's, that's not what this is talking about. We don't know him after the flesh. I'm not going to go study the, the way he handled blind men and you know the lame and do exactly the same thing because he handled those situations differently in every situation. Why? Because he did what God told him to do. So here, we don't know him after the flesh. Well, how do we know him then? As the risen Lord and Savior, seated at the right hand of God, with whom we are now seated. And the exhortation here is for us to understand what that means to us now. That's what it's telling you to do. It's to understand who you are in him, not what he would do in a particular situation. We don't know him after the flesh. right? So um, let's keep reading here. Yet now henceforth know we him no more. Verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, you're born again, he is a new, the word is creation. He is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, or as the working translation says, behold, new things have come. It's a new life, a new situation, a new citizenship, a new master, dead to the old life, a lie, and, and the world is dead to us, and we're dead to it. So as far as the world is concerned, you're dead. That's how much the world cares about you. You're dead. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3, please. Colossians chapter 3, along these same lines. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter 3. You know, if you think about, let's keep reading, let's read before I ramble on here. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If, or the word if should be since, since you then be risen with Christ, because it's a reality, we just read it in Ephesians, it's a reality. If you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, 
where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection. So it's a change. It's a change in what you're doing now. You sort of set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Love not the world. The world is dead to us. We're dead. Here it is again. Because of the seating of Christ, we're to set our affection on things above, not on things of the earth. And this is where, you know, what used to be important to us before, you know, what's important now is the same. You know, what did we think about our obligation to the world before? Well, what is it now? Did you have the obligation before to bring people to the Lord Jesus Christ? No, I certainly didn't. Didn't know anything about them. What about things like relationships, marriage or parenting and all these things? What was it before? What is it now? I mean, there's a, there's a radical change affects every single area of your life. Here, when God says, think, set your affection on things, everything you think about is different now. It's not the same. Those cucumber sandwiches were never as good as you thought they were. <laughs> they weren't, right? It's, and you might be inclined, and I've seen, we've seen people all, you know, oh, you know, I really miss. What do you miss? You miss no purpose, no life, nowhere to go, not knowing where you're going, dead in sins. You miss all that? Well, you're sick. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> First Corinthians. Keep your, if you can keep your fingers here. We're going to jump to First Corinthians, and we'll come back to this in a second. Just going to look at First Corinthians chapter four. Just want to give you an idea of what the world thinks of you. Here's an example. In First Corinthians chapter four, did the world care about you before? Well, what does it think about you now? Here's a nice little section that. Gives us some inkling of what the world might think of those who believe God. And this is not a, this is not to read this and say, oh, you know how evil the world is, and oh, I hate everybody. And that's not what I'm saying. The point is, it's not for us to have an affection for the things of the world. Those aren't the things that are our priority to us anymore. And you know, it gives us this is this is a, a Paul in First Corinthians chapter four verse nine. He says, "For I think that God hath set forth us the apostles last." As it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honorable, but we are despised. Even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place and labor, working with our hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we suffer it, being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and are the offscouring, the word is scum, of all things unto this day. If you, if you relish the idea of being a spectacle, fool, despised, reviled, defamed, persecuted, filth of the world, offscouring, welcome to Christianity. <laughs> you know, like I often say, yeah, when you yeah yeah that's why I don't sit up you know I, I, they never invite me to do uh, what you call um, evangelistic certain things right. <laughs> as soon as you become a believer, you purposely you're cho- choosing to put a target in your back, whether you like it or not. That's how much the world cares about you. So God, Paul says, the world is dead to me, and I'm dead to the world. So don't be don't be surprised if people think differently from you because they do, <laughs> right? Until you had that change in mastership, change in life, change in seating, change in citizenship, you're, you're, you're very, very different. Until that happens, then it happens, then you oughtn't to be thinking about all those things. 
And here, you know, Paul says, well, this is kind of the way they thought about us. Look at Galatians chapter 3. We'll go back to Coloss uh, Colossians in a second. Let's jump to Galatians again. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians 3, 26. So our new thinking is to go think about and set our affection on things above where Christ sits and we're alive unto God through the work of Jesus Christ. And in Galatians 3, 26, For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Okay, for as many as of you have been baptized unto Christ, into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek or Gentile. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You see how uh, all the worldly distinctions that the world puts so much importance on, they're all gone in Christ. All of them. Neither male nor female even. It's like you're one in Christ Jesus. You are blessed with all the blessings of anybody else in the body of Christ. There's no distinction. So when someone might say, well, I'm this kind of person, or I'm, a, I'm an owner of this corporation, a master, or well, I'm just a lowly, humble servant you know, that does this, or a slave, or, or you know, I'm, I've got this position, or you know, I'm a, I, none of that stuff matters. None of it. Level playing field in Christ. That's where level playing field. That's it. You are a child of God by the work of Jesus Christ. Well, let's go back to Colossians chapter 3, where we were just a second ago. Colossians chapter 3. We'll read the rest of that. the next couple of verses there. So verse 2 again. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. As we read in chapter 3 verse 2. For you are dead. <laughs> there you go. For you are dead. So that, you know, that would be like exactly what Paul said. I'm dead to the world. And the world is dead to me. This is exactly what it's saying. For you are dead. Are you physically dead? No. Not yet. <laughs> Thank God. And your life is hid with Christ in God. So your real life is hid with Christ in God. The old life, that is now gone. It's dead. We are dead. Verse 3, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. That's where our real life is. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with Him in glory. Christ is our life. And the interesting thing is, everything we are today is about Christ Jesus, if we, if we choose to make it that way. And everything that we hope to be in the future has to do with what Christ is. You remember that verse in uh, Timothy where it talks about uh, you know, bodily exercise profits for a little while? But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of this life and of that which is to come. Right? You're actually working. You can work today on the things of godliness, your relationship with God, that actually has a bearing on this life and on the life to come. So if we're busy, if we're thinking about, well, I'm not going to be thinking about those other things, that what should I be thinking about? Well, there you go. Working on your relationship with God and all that Jesus Christ is to you, and that will benefit you now and in the life to come, which is where all of God's Word orients the believer to, is towards the hope of the return of Christ and all that's to follow. 
And let's go to Philippians chapter 3. Almost done. Philippians chapter 3. One book back. Philippians chapter 3. Just a couple of chapters back. Philippians 3 3. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might have also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinks that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I am more. Paul says that you know he had more reason to have confidence in the flesh than most men in his time. And then he gives his worldly resume, as we're well aware of here. Verse 5, circumcised the eighth day, which means that he was a Judean from the day of his birth. So he was in a covenant relationship with the God of, of the Israelites from the day of his birth. Circumcised the eighth day. He did, in other words, he wasn't a convert. Right? Of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, that wonderful tribe that was in the southern part of Judah that was kind of shielded somewhat from all the paganism of the ten northern tribes, and then also next to its brother Judah. So, you know, again, he's giving his worldly credentials. Pretty cool. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm of Israel. And, you know, I've been like this from the day of my birth. Isn't that amazing? Uh, what kind of Hebrew are you, Paul? A Hebrew of the Hebrews. Better than any other Hebrew possible. How about the law? How are you in that way? I was a Pharisee. Well, they were the best. And we love the Pharisees because they know what they're talking about. You see, it's a, it's, a, it's a worldly resume, right? It's exactly what he's doing. You can almost see the guy saying, well, what kind of Pharisee? Oh, I was a Pharisee. What'd you do about the church? Well, I persecuted. Oh, well done. Tick box. <laughs> That's what he's doing, right? Verse 6. Concerning zeal. How about zeal? Well, I persecuted the church. Awesome. Touching the righteousness which is in the law. How about that? Oh, I was blameless. See, he's just going down the line of all the things that a Judean could be in that time. He had them all. Um, you might call him the perfect Israelite alpha male. Right? This is the guy, Paul. Verse 7. But with all, but what things were gained to me, and I counted those gain, and there's so much in the world that you can get into that you think is gain to you, and he says, I counted it, but loss. Everything that he considered a gain to him was a loss for Christ. So when you talk about a change in your citizenship, a change in your decision-making, a change in all the things you like and don't like, now you're concerned about gain for Christ. You're not concerned about gain for you. That doesn't mean you don't have a job and do a job well and worthily as unto the Lord Jesus Christ. As it doesn't mean any of that. It means where's your heart? Is your heart just serving the Lord when you work or is it serving your master? If you serve the Lord, I guarantee your master is going to be well pleased. And if he is, it doesn't matter. The Lord is. All right, so here he says everything, all those worldly accolades, everything that everybody considered important, he said it's a loss. It was a loss. Verse 8, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss. Everything. Can we, do we think this way? Or are we still thinking a little bit about the garlics and leeks and onions sometimes? Or do we think this way? Only I can answer that for myself. Only you can answer it for yourself. But loss. He counted everything but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. I am willing to do away with all those credentials. I don't care about them. That I that and do count them, but dung, that I may win Christ. See, gaining Christ 
a lot of times means worldly loss. Sometimes people are not willing to put up with worldly loss so that they may gain Christ. Did Paul lose something? Oh my, I don't think they were after him before to throw him in jail and kill him. I think they all loved him. Israel did. He certainly lost it all. But, but, he, but he gained, in Christ, he gained much. And that's what he was rejoicing in here. And do count them all, verse 10, And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, and the things that I do, and all the things that I thought were important, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him. Not just know about him, there's a big difference between knowing Him and knowing about Him, that I may know Him. And I may, that's, we're talking about a relation. You, you, you know Him. You know who your Lord is. You know, every day you wake up, you know, when you're sitting there at your computer or wherever else you work, oh, maybe I'll just do this instead of work. Do you know Him? in your relationships, whether it's with your children or your spouse or your employer or anywhere else. Well, I think I'll just do this. Wait a minute. Is that, is that the right thing to do? Do you know him? Or do you just know about this man who walked the earth several thousand years ago? Or do you know him? Paul said, I want to know him. I want to know him. And the power, verse 10, of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable Unto his death. You see, he wanted to know the power of his resurrection. You see how the world, it always takes us from this world into that which is coming. What is the hope of all men? Resurrection, isn't it? It was the hope of Israel. It's the hope of this church today. It's the hope of all men. He goes, I want to understand that. I don't want to understand, you know, all the little details about how I live by the flesh. I want to understand the power of the resurrection, where he's seated now, and all that that means to me. And if you read the rest of the chapter, he said, you know, he was working hard to do that, to understand that very thing. And we'll close in Galatians. One more verse. Galatians chapter 4. We started in Galatians. We'll close in Galatians chapter 4. And this he wrote, you know, to the Galatians in order to help them understand what it was that he was trying to do and what they should be trying to do in their life. It's a simple verse, but it says in verse 19, My little children, of whom I travail in birth. You know, and we all, all men, we all understand the pangs of childbirth. No, I guess we don't. <laughs> you <know>. But <laughs> you see, he under, he, he's actually identifying that it is a very painful time, right? So he's saying that he worked that he worked that hard i understand he says my little children of whom i travail in birth again until christ be formed in you that's what he wanted he wanted christ formed in them in their minds that's what he wanted and that's what he was working so hard to the point that the pain that he was going through will be like a woman going through childbirth so if you think about the hard work that is for the christian to do now that you've had a change in citizenship a change in master, a change in seating, a change in priority, all those things. What is the hard work to do now? That is to understand what Christ has done for you. That Christ be formed in you, in our minds, in our, in our hopes, our ambitions, our plans, the things that we call important to us, our relationships, the way we deal with others, all those areas of our life. 
Christ be formed in us. That's the way we think. That's who we are. And that's where our seating is. And that's where we do our utmost. That's where we put the effort in to understand. Just like Romans 6 says, you know, you know logically reason out that you're dead to sin. Sin has no more dominion over you. Logically think it out. So all the New Testament says, think it through. Think about what He's done for you and recognize the impact that it has in your life. So we're dead to this world. This world is dead to us because we have a new seating, a new citizenship in the heavenlies with Christ at the right hand of God. So that's it. Amen. God bless.